Support for this episode is brought to you by my good friends at SipTequila.com. Have you experienced their incredible service? What are you waiting for? Join thousands of others who trust SipTequila.com to deliver premium tequilas in agave spirits direct to your door. Be sure to check out the newest additions as they've recently added the brand new Campo Veda Blanco coming out of NOM 1414, La Luna Mezcal, as well as the new Ancestral Mezcal from Codigo 1530. SipTequila.com. Premium brands direct to your door. Speaking of NOM 1414, it's time to taste some tequila. We're all fighting for something. It could be peace, freedom, popularity, things of great importance and things that don't matter at all. But we're all fighting for something. My guests today haven't simply created a brand. They've written a love letter, a silent acknowledgement to those who stand and fight for what they believe in. Those who overcome adversity with bravery and resilience. To those who have chosen sacrifice, yet remain faithful to the cause they pursue. A tequila for those who believe. We're going to hear this story and taste some amazing tequila on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. My guest today is Luis Torres, the creator and owner of Tequila General Goro Stieta. Luis, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Luis, by day, you are a trial attorney, but your passion is not just tequila, but it's sharing the true story of General Gorostieta. Where, where did your passion for tequila come from? And, and when were you first introduced to the story of Enrique Gorostieta? I was introduced to tequila back in 2003 by a lawyer who worked with me in my law firm. He took me, he's from Arandas. He invited me over to know his hometown. And I fell in love with Arandas immediately. That was almost 20 years ago. I also have connections because my family ancestors come from that area also. In fact, I am uh, like a third cousin of Anabel Bañuelos, the current major of Arandas. I think it runs in my blood. And then the story of the general, was this something that a, that a lot of people in Mexico know this story and something that you've always known? Or, or how did you fall in love with this story so much so that you've based a brand, you're really sharing the story? Yes. The story about General Gorostieta is, is a very unique story of valor, of courage. It's an example of how to overcome obstacles and, and to succeed with various resources. It's a story that has been kept silent for almost 100 years because General Gorostieta dared an oppressive government. And he was then erased from uh, all history books. Oh, wow. we, we are dusting off that story and, and bringing it again to life so that people around the world can, can know that that story, which is in, based on an actual event, actually get to know what was it about, why was he erased off from history. And there is another very peculiar issue. In my, in my veins runs blood from a saint. There is okay. a, a, a saint from the Cristero War. There were 24 saints made out of the Cristero War. And one of them was my great-granduncle. He was not under the orders of General Gorostieta, but he was in the movement. He was a priest who was killed for keeping secrets, confession secrets, uh, not revealing them to the army when he was demanded to to reveal where the Cristeros were. 
So there's something personal. There's a personal connection that you've got as this story has been hidden from maybe the masses in the area, but for you and how there's a family connection, this is something that you've continued to dig into. And can you share, I mean, let's set the backdrop for the general, because I mean, this goes back over a hundred years ago. There's a story of defending your, your faith, your freedom. And today, a hundred years later, we see, we turn on the news and we see there is a country that is fighting for their freedom right now. So this is something that wasn't just a hundred years ago. It, it's relevant today. Can you set up the story and share the story of the general? Sure. I think fighting for freedom is, is something that never dies. Uh, unfortunately, many countries are facing now that issue. And without entering into political discussions, I guess it's worth being just fairly aware that people have the rights and, and they, they need to defend what they have. Yeah. And uh, Gorostieta's story is precisely about that. He was a decorated general. He became a brigadier general at a very early age. He was very smart. When uh, President Calles, a little before when President Obregón, back in 1919 or 1920 in Mexico, in the early 20th century in Mexico, they took office. They sent every senior military officer home. They didn't want anyone to have the power to overturn them. So among them was Enrique Gorosieta, a very important and very talented uh, military officer. And then we, he was hired, he was called to, to train and to give military education, probably that's the word. We call it adiestramiento, which is giving people education about them, the military, how to, to face an army. And they were only rebels. They were farmers, regular citizens. They were not armed. They were not soldiers. The government was fighting against them. The government decided to deprive people of the right to have their religion. They, they closed churches. They issued a prohibition so that people would not be able to marry in a church, to baptize in a church. It was a significant problem because in Western Mexico, religion is a, is a real issue. So that when the government did this, what happened is the people were not in agreement with that. And they started collecting signatures in pieces of paper and then went to Congress in Mexico trying to, uh, for this law to, to be overturned. And that did not happen. So the, the government sent the army to fight the people, which is outrageous. And then Gorostieta was called. He had a, a clear disgust for this government. And uh, he, he was, I heard from someone that he was enemies with Plutarco Elias Calles, President Calles, when they were both in the army. So when he saw this opportunity, he didn't think twice. He uh, went to, to Guadalajara and met with this uh, religious group, which were mostly leaders. And then they asked him to train without ammunition and without weapons. He was asked to train an army of over 25,000 men and women, which was a major, major challenge. So he joined this venture. He led this, this group of people with so good outcome that they started winning fights, battles against the Mexican army. And they weren't really armed. I mean, they were just using whatever tools they had at their disposal. They, they were not soldiers again. They were not soldiers, but they, they started getting weapons. I heard that some of these weapons got to them through a black market. Some of them were acquired in battle. Some of them, they, they just got 
ammunition and, and weaponry. Of course, it was impossible to think that such a, an informal group of people would be able to fight an army, a formal army funded by the government. That's what made this story so amazing, that all these faithful people were impossible to defeat because they, they believed in what way they were defending. On the other hand, the army had uh, very low morals. They were fighting. They did not have any valid reason to fight the people. So, you know, an, an army without a heart. Without vision. Without vision, without a valid mission. So they started fighting. And at the end of the day, the army was losing battles. So he was very close to take the city of Guadalajara. And, and the next step was to overthrow Calles. But in this time, he was ambushed and killed in Atotonilco in June the 2nd, 1929. Before that battle, he gets exiled to El Paso and then eventually comes back. And, and there's even some symbolism there because I, I know you're in the U.S. a lot. You, you live in a few different spots in Mexico. You're always yes. on the move. But in El Paso, 100 years later, isn't that the place to where you have set up your U.S. office for yes. this brand? And this is the same place where he was exiled. And then he comes back and he rallies those troops and, and he eventually gets ambushed and, and passes away. Right. He was, he was imprisoned in uh, Fort Bliss in El Paso because he and, and some other former officers were planning a uh, coup d'etat. They were planning to, to overthrow Calle's government and they were caught and uh, made prisoners of uh, Fort Bliss. And, and even his journey, because I, I read, you know, early days, this is a guy who's an atheist and he becomes, you mm -hmm. know, throughout this journey, God grabs his heart. And he becomes a Christian. He's the spark to to set the flame, to, to fight for freedom, to fight for Christianity. And that in itself is a pretty amazing story, just to see how God transformed his life. You know, a lot of symbolism here for, for him. And, and I can see why you're drawn to the story, especially with the family tie-in. When you were starting to start a brand, let, let's talk about this brand, because you do have a day job. You're very busy <laughs> and, and you're very passionate about tequila. You've been around it. I know you said you, you had some connections there, but what was the process and when did the story start for you to start this brand? It started around 2014. Some friends who are from Arandas, if I told you how many coincidences we have had with, with the Gorostieta family, with events, with matters that connect us to the cause and to the character, it would blow your mind. Seriously. Like, for example, one of the most important, when we finally picked this name, we went to a very important marketing agency to help us design the, the logo, the marketing strategy and everything. Because I'm a lawyer, what do, what do I know about marketing, right? So we convinced this big marketing agency to take our project. And I took two of their partners to Arandas to have a couple days of being over there, living the experience, trying good tequila, like the ones you have behind you. They had such a wonderful time that we came back. And at the very first meeting we had at their conference room, I remember one of them looking at the ceiling like he went blank. And then he asked his secretary to call a young lady into the conference room. When this young intern came in and she said, my last name is Gorostieta. And then everyone was, we were uh, silent. And then he asked, what are you of Enrique Gorosieta? Are you related to him? And she was surprised. And she said, yes, but why? He's my great-grandfather. Wow. And that's, that's one. This is a 5 million 
people city. What are the odds that you're going to come across with someone who is so closely related to him? It is very, very rare. And this was back in 2014. You said 2014, which, you know, we're starting to really see this brand come out and a lot of people talking about it. So did it did it start back then and take a while to, to get going or talk to me through the journey for you? Again, you're, you're not a marketing guy, but I know you can set things up. You can read contracts. You, you can cross the T's and dot the I's. To, there's a lot of, of your background that goes into starting a brand or starting a tequila company. What was it like in the early days, 2014? What we're tasting today is has got to be a little different than what you were doing back in 2014. Did a little bit of time go by and, and you were getting into other things or did it just take this long to really get it launched out into the market? We really started the, the brand, the project in uh, January 2018. So it kind of went okay. a little dormant between 2014 and 2018. In fact, me and my, my, my partners from Arandas, who are an, an architect and a lawyer, I guess another lawyer, uh, this is a very popular guy. He doesn't practice law, but he's a very popular guy. We were literally having drinks in these wonderful times in January 2014. And at some point, this, the name of Enrique Grosieta popped up out of the blue. Nobody knows how. So we started talking about him. It was probably too much tequila but that night. I don't know. So that night we, we were discussing about him and uh, it just kind of went dormant for a couple years. And then uh, when we finally decided to go in and making tequila, we decided to name our tequila after, after him. And we were all very convinced that that was the right name. We were like driven. Like this project is worth making because this is a story worth telling. Enrique Gorostieta was born here in Monterrey where, where I live. He's unknown. Nobody knows him. He's totally a stranger while... The same person in the Jalisco Highlands is, is, a, is a hero. It's very interesting. Yeah, very different perception of, of how people wear geographically where they may know him and where they may not. Now, I know with this, you have partnered up with Ana Maria Romero, who is so well-respected in the industry. When you were talking with her, how, how, did you, how did you get connected with her? Was she familiar with the story? When you were sharing the story, mm -hmm. did she immediately connect? Because this is not just tequila. This is passion. This is, yes. there is a long story here. We'll, we'll get into it, but I mean, they made a movie about him. I mean, there is a story here and you are continuing to tell the story through the tequila. How did you meet Anna? And, and when you were connecting with her, telling the story, what, what was her reaction to it all? Sure. We came to, to meet Ana Maria because of a common friend. When we were filming our commercial, which is on, on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel. There was a chef who was preparing meals for all the filming stuff. And she, she knew Ana Maria. So at some point we decided to, to pick the profile. From day one, we wanted to do a joven, a blend between Blanco and Reposado as our flagship. And why was that? Why, why did you, we don't see too many Hovens. So why was it, what was it about the Hoven that you guys said, hey, we really want to focus on this? Because we wanted to be creative. We wanted to, we wanted to be innovative, not to produce exactly what everyone is, is making. And we know that there are not many jovens around. So we wanted to do something very special, very well made. We invited uh, this chef to, to prepare uh, a meals for a, a group of people. That we were like 45 people we, we invited to, to make a decision on, on which formula to pick. There was a formula that was 70% Blanco, 30% uh, Repo, 
60% blank, 40% repo, and 50-50. The person who led that exercise ended up being Ana Maria. We didn't know her at the time, but that exact evening, she was so professional, so she was performing so well that I had no doubt in inviting her to be the project manager and to lead the group of General Gorostieta right away. And the rest is history. She did a great job. It's outstanding the way in which she works. That good fame is very well deserved. She is very professional. Yeah, she literally wrote the book on aromas and, and flavor profiles and, and her background. She's been a part of a handful of different really well-respected brands, and, and she really is a legend in the industry. So for you to team up with her, you, you have launched a, a Blanco and a Hoven. Like you said, we don't see too many Hovens, so that that is neat to see. We're going to start with the Blanco. This originally was coming out of NOM 1499, which is Casa Tecalera de Arandas, yes. but you've since moved all production over to NOM 1414, which is the Vivanco distillery, amazing distillery. Ana yes. Maria, she's still at the helm of, of production there. Was it with 1414 you just felt, hey, this is this is home, this is the better fit for these tequilas? Yes, NOM 1414 is no doubt among the best NOMs. Is absolutely a great distillery. Agreed. And with Casa Tequilera, we we we, we worked very well, but we, we felt the the need to go back to, to where we started. We're producing right now, as we speak, we're producing another Blanco. The next batch of the Blanco. And that will eventually get blended in with potentially another batch of Hoven? That's right. We have in the Hacienda, we have enough agave to produce a lot of, of uh, Blanco again. And the Blanco that we're producing right now is going to age uh, in American oak barrels. And uh, we have taken care of this agave in the Hacienda, which is six to seven years old. That's what we do. We do not harvest our agave in the fourth year or, the, or, or, or before. We take care of it with very mechanical means. We have a lot of jimadores taking care of the grass that grows around. And we do not use more fertilizers than strictly necessary because we don't want the, the agave to grow artificially. We want the agave to grow organically. And yeah, it's very thing. expensive, but we're doing things right. So let's let's get into the process of the Blanco. You started talking about in the fields. This is Los, Los Altos region, uh, yes. that northern side, I think I saw. So that you're going six, seven years. The, these agaves, higher elevation, they're, they're stressed. They've got to work harder. There's a, there's a sweetness that they're naturally producing with these beautiful agaves. And then we get to the distillery. Talk me through this process, and then we'll, we'll get to taste this delicious Blanco. Well, the Blanco is produced, it was produced back a year ago. We, we used an autoclave for that Blanco. Okay. It cooked for 24 hours and uh, cooled down for another 12 or so. And from that moment, when it uh, went, the, the juice went to, to the fermentation tank, Ana Maria took over and she was literally every single hour there. And I know that because I was next to her measuring the pH chemically, the, the change between sugar and alcohol every single hour. I remember showing up with her at 7 a.m. in the morning and leaving late at night for four days, 96 hours of fermentation. Nothing was forgotten. Every single detail was. And the staff was very supportive too. The staff at NOM 1499, they helped a lot. 
they had a lot of good advice because Ana Maria, she comes in and, and, and she really takes over. That's how, how she works. And the staff gave us every single resource we needed for, uh, for this to become a, a successful project. So after this 96 hours of fermentation, we, it, uh, it went to the stills for distillation. And exactly the same. The 16, first, the 16 hours of the first distillation, we were there every hour taking samples of the water, taking samples of, of the, the volume of, of this fountain that is the still as it was coming out. And everyone there was amazed of the, the aromas coming out because we used, I cannot tell you what, what yeast we used, but everyone was like, I don't think that's going to work because Ana Maria, she is very creative and she picked a yeast that was, had never been used. So you got your, you got your master's degree. I mean, you, you got your education standing next to her for just hour after hour watching her, seeing how she does what she does best. Like you said, she's creative. She says, you know, when you think this will not work, I'm going to show you how this is going to work and turn into something uh, really, really delicious. So we, we've got that Blanco here. This is, this is the 1499. I, I'm going to taste it. And then, and then we'll kind of turn to the next batch because I assume the next batch is going to be brick oven because that's what they've got at 1414. Right. So there's going to be some changes. This one for me, when I first tasted this and, and you even say on your website, let it sit in the glass for a few minutes to, to let it open up. I did get... You know, like with many, I, I got a strong hit of, hit of alcohol, but that immediately goes away after some mm -hmm. time. And it's in the mid palate for me, it's buttery. It's there's sweetness. I mean, it's very velvety, uh, a really, really delicious Blanco. So many great Blancos that I know would do so well in a cocktail, but they never make it to a cocktail for me because I just want to sip on them. And this Blanco yes. is one of those Blancos, a little bit of pepper, but there's something in that mid palate that is really creamy and, and just gives a really great mouthfeel with this one. Yeah. And it has this, a very strong flavor. And, and by strong, I don't mean uh, an aggressive. It has so, it's a powerful flavor. And when you pair it with a, with a cigar, it, it's crazy. The flavors that come out. It just comes up. It, it just... As you, as you, uh, to me on that mid palate, just another burst of flavor reintroduces itself and, and for a really great experience. Yes. It's a very well done product. Very carefully. When you tried it for the first time, what, what were you thinking? Do you just think, man, we nailed it. This, this is, this yes. is everything we thought it was going to be. In fact, we took a, a, a sample at uh, 56 ABV, 112 proof. And Hot. it was amazing. It was. Got a little heat to it. Yeah, and we made some cocktails. We took it to uh, to a restaurant in Arandas to celebrate, and uh, we were so satisfied. After over a week long of work, we were very satisfied with uh, with the result. I bet it just shined through. I mean, to put that in a cocktail, I'm sure everything else that was in that cocktail just sat behind it, and it just sat on the forefront and really shined in a cocktail. Yes, because even in a cocktail, you do not lose the notes. The tequila is still there even when you mix it with with uh, other flavors the tequila is there it's not just alcohol it keeps its presence it is still there no matter that you have mixed it with something else we made that day they prepared margaritas for us and you could still feel that to me at, at the beginning it, it gave me notes like passion fruit some tropical fruits when, when you actually try it it's very buttery very unique flavor. Yeah, it, it's it's a really 
Really well done, Blanco. I, I'm excited to see what the next batch, you know, as you said, you, you are making to get, it has moved to 1414. You are making the next batch of the Blanco. This is going to be brick oven, like we said. Are you still going to use that same yeast? That, yes. that is a, a, a special yeast there. At 1414, I know they're they using the Mozart method, so uh, maybe some classical music uh, along with this. That is going on right now, yes. Pretty, pretty awesome to be walking. I've, I've been there to, to walk through. You're walking towards the end to distillation and you just hear all this music. It is pretty special. When, when do you think we'll see this next batch of Blanco that we can taste and compare to see what it's like out of 1414? We're expecting the process of the double distillation and cutting the heads and the tails finished by probably the end of this week. Okay. Probably. And then it's going to, to be stabilized for uh, about a month. So without a doubt, we're going to be trying it by the end of July. So it's going to hang out in some stainless steel for about a month just to stabilize after the whole journey, the process from field to coming through distillation. There's a lot that's happened to it. It's, it's been shocked. And so a lot of times that stabilization happens, just letting it hang out in stainless steel. Some of it's heading towards bottling and then some of it possibly into for this Hoven. We are making three barrels. I guess at least one of them is going to be a single barrel of Añejo. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> a lot of people are having expectations. We're going to make sure that this is an amazing Añejo. We're going to keep it in that barrel for over a year and a half, I guess. Okay, let, let the barrel do its thing. Give it some time in the barrel there for the Añejo. We, we've got this Hoven. Let, let's talk through this Hoven. And then I do want to get into the packaging because a beautiful bottle, very simple. And I know there's a lot of symbolism here for as mm -hmm. you're tying in this entire story. But this Hoven, as you said, uh, a Hoven is, is a Blanco mixed with another expression, an aged expression. It's going to be young. You, you're going here, do you say Blanco and then eight month Reposado? Is is that what you're doing here for this Hoven? Yes, we are producing uh, this Blanco, which is going to be aged for uh, eight to 10 months. I guess it's, it's going to be a little more, 10 months of this repo. And then together with the Blanco that we're going to produce around January, we're going to blend it. We're going to produce the next batch of Hoven. That's the plan. And whatever we do not use is going to stay in the barrels for 18 months. And then that's going to be the Añejo. And that dog is going to be one of the top Añejos in the market. We're going to make sure of that. I can only imagine. There's beautiful color here. I mean, this is light. Did you say what, what's the mixture here between blending of Blanco versus the Reposado? Are you able to share that? Yeah. 60% Blanco, 40% Reposado. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna lose a little of that color because the blanco is gonna bring back a little of that color of that reposado. But we can see that there is a, a beautiful golden hue here for this hoven. Definitely a different nose than what I got. Yes. On the blanco, I mean, still just agave. There's a little sweetness here. Yeah, very very complex. Make sure to do this after you finish the the drink. Do not wash the glass. Keep it and then take it to the nose. And you will see the, the aromas stay there for a couple hours. The aroma of the, of the barrel stays. And the aroma of cooked agave and caramel, it's amazing. It continues to hang in that glass after, after it's dried up a little bit. It gives you a sense of, yes. of what it was from that barrel. You could literally hang onto the empty glass and just take it to the nose. And it's very pleasing as a sensorial experience to keep it having the, the aroma 
Yeah, on the nose, I, I get a very pure. I mean, there, there's a very there's a pureness here on the nose with this. There's a little bit of sweetness. That that same texture, that velvety texture, continues through here with this Hoven. Did you guys play around with? You went to eight months. Did you try this at at four months? Did you try this at six months as you're blending it with the Blanco? And when it got to that eight months, you said yes, this is it. Or how did you arrive at that eight month time to blend it with that sixty forty? I would be lying if I said I can attest to that. So that's a question to make to Ana Maria. You know, we are very honest to the consumer. And one of the most important things that I want to do is to talk with the truth to the consumer. I think it's an educated consumer we have to, to talk to. And you're trusting Ana Maria. I mean, you've brought her in, you've partnered with her. She, she is the expert here. And so she's, she's having the freedom to come in and say, hey, at eight months, this is, this is where it needs to be as we blend it for this Hoven. Yes, I remember. I mean, she's, she's my teacher also. I've been through training with her, very intense training in a good way. She's very demanding. She doesn't play games. So after this uh, very intense training, I have heard, I have heard from her that sometimes you do not, you must not keep the tequila in the barrel for too much time because you can alter the notes so that the agave, the flavor of the agave, the aromas of the agave must stay present and not be superseded by the notes from the American oak or the French oak. Yeah, it's a delicate balance. It's a balance. You want that agave up front. And if you go too long, I, I've had people on the show that have said, hey, we've been we've been working on different expressions. And even during COVID where they may have not been able to get there and then longer time went in the barrel and they said, we, we missed our window. We've missed our window with it. And, and now we're either going to go to an XA or we've got to figure out, do we blend this with something? Because yes. there, there's a delicate balance there. Yes. And it really, there are so many things involved. We have to clean the pipes. We have to sanitize them. It's, I mean, she goes from A to Z, literally. And, and she can be very bossy. Passion. Is her passion coming through? It's her passion. She, she wants it her to name. be just right. And it, yeah, like you said, it's her name and, and she's worked hard to get to where she's at. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of respect there from so many people in the industry. As she comes in, she's taken over. Right. The, the outcome is, is, is amazing. We have received feedback, amazing feedback from very important figures. Both of these expressions are great. This is this Blanco, this Hoven. I want to encourage people as this is starting to come out, as you're starting to see social media, you're seeing people, you guys are doing a great job. That marketing team, they're doing a really great job with, with just the imagery and, and the branding here. I've been doing more video work and, and, and shooting bottles, and, and these are hard bottles to shoot because they're just clear. I mean, these are clear bottles here, but but very subtle. Talk to me a little bit about all these details, because especially on the Hoven, it's a beautiful presentation, and, and there's a a lot of detail here. So tell me a little bit about how you guys arrived at this and, and, and what was the goal here for this presentation? Sure. First of all, I have to tell you that the branding was developed by Emilia Gorostieta, the general's great-granddaughter. She was involved in every step of this. Second, we tried to make a homage to the Mexican Army Special Forces with that packaging. The uniform that they use in the parades, in the military parades, the special forces is that black with a red stripe uniform, which is our box. And the cork, the golden cork, uh, resembles the bottom, the, the buttons on their uniform. To give you an idea, the cork itself is more expensive than the bottle. And that's a French bottle, by the way. They are expensive. 
If you if you weigh it, it's it's heavy. Yeah, a lot of design on this cork. The top of these corks. Attention was put to every single detail at, when creating this product. The cork displays the national emblem of the Mexican flag. Yep. That was used between 1890 and 1910. Okay. When Gorostieta was in the in the army. So you guys are just you're just paying respect to back then to the general even on this hoven i i feel there there's an etch here it's not just you know there there's some etching here going on for his the logo and the name i, I can feel it here in the glass so yes. uh, lot lots of detail here that if, if you stop and really look at these bottles they're simple but they're beautiful and and if you look closer there, there's a lot of detail going on with with these bottles. So great, great job with the packaging here for both of these. You know, we talked about you're you're living in a few different places. Yeah. You do have a hacienda in Arandas yes. that is also paying tribute to the general. Is this? Are you growing agaves there? Yes. I've seen some pictures online. I know you've invited me out there. Would love to see it. There's some horses out there. Big part of of the battle. I've seen you've got some horses out there. But tell me a little bit about this beautiful property that you've got. Well, that property I bought it back in 2008. I had no connection back back then with anything. I just bought it because I liked it. And th there comes another coincidence. One historian told me a couple of years that he, he brought documents to the Hacienda. A local historian told me that probably a couple of weeks before he was ambushed and killed, the general passed through exact that property, which is called, it was called Rancho El Estribo. And there are documents showing that. So it's, it's, it's not that I just came up with that. You've now renamed it. And what, what have you named it? Well, the ranch is called Rancho Las Generales. I have some military blood myself too. On, on the side of my mother, there are there was a general. Fortunately, he passed away of COVID about a year ago. There is there is some of that. So I I, I called the Rancho Las Generales because of my my mother and my grandmother who are from that side. But now that we know that information, we renamed the ranch as Hacienda General Gorostieta. And you said are you're growing agaves there, and this is this is a place where people can come, and and you're. Uh, doing tastings and letting people just see, uh, you know, there, there's a whole story here that you guys are, are bringing them in on. I saw a beautiful bar area that just looks, yes. you know, big room. I mean, it looks like a, a really great property there. Yes, the Hacienda is beautiful. We grow, we have right now about 45,000 plants of agave of different years. The oldest are about six years old. Okay. So we, ha we will harvest them in uh, January or February for our next batch. We have a couple of other constructions, and we just finished a year ago our tasting room, which can host over 150 people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. The idea, we, we have also plans to build a hotel, a boutique hotel okay. in that same property. We have the blueprints and everything, so we will start at some point in the next couple of years with that. And, and the idea is to bring people, brand ambassadors, people helping us with the brand, bartenders, friends, everyone who's connected with the brand, we're going to invite them over and, and give them, show them a great time because the property is so beautiful, even without the constructions. You, you can see the agave during the summer. You can see the agave and uh, around 9 or 10 a.m. when, when the, the fog comes down, you see the clouds below the agave. It's amazing because it's so high. 
It's over 6,000 feet of altitude. I look forward to coming out there and seeing it. Can't wait to see. It sounds like you just don't like downtime. You don't like rest. You just continue one project after after the next <laughs> as you start this this hotel. Tell me the Añejo. When can we expect to see that Añejo? How, how far out before uh, we, we may be able to get some glimpses of the Añejo? The Añejo should be ready to celebrate the fifth year of our project. So that is in 2023, by the end of 2023. So we're getting close. We're getting close. We still need to design the bottle because, for example, the bottle of, of Hoven, it has a golden sandblast on it. The name, the label is engraved. It's, n it's not printed. Right. It's engraved, which is a very expensive treatment also. But, for example, the, the Blanco, if you have the, the, the box of the Blanco and the bottle, you will see that the label is blue and the box is white and blue. That has a reason to be. That specific expression is a homage to the Navy, to the Mexican Navy. And the Hoven is a homage to the Mexican Special Forces, the Army Special Forces. Don't say this out loud, but a number of generals of the Mexican Army love this tequila. And they order their own bottles with their name printed. So you're thinking through what for the Añejo? You're just thinking through how, how do you want to continue to tie that branding to honor and respect the military forces? And so you guys are still thinking through that a little, little more than a year. We're going to possibly uh, get to see this Añejo coming out from 1414. Yes, we're, we're going to keep producing it for non-1414 with the Vivanco family. And that's going to be an amazing Añejo. It's a special place. It's a, it's a special place sat out there on that porch where, where they've let me try different things there with Sergio Cruz, Sergio Vivanco. I mean, just mm -hmm. a, a very special place, an amazing team there. And, and for them to open their doors and let Ana Maria come in and do her thing. I mean, that again, speaks to the respect that, that so many people have for her. Uh, Luis, great job. Really great job with, with this brand. I mean, you can tell that you, you are not just somewhat doing this. You are all in. There is a passion here. This is more than tequila. You are telling the story, and this is a story that absolutely needs to be told. If people want to know more about this story, there, there is a movie that came out not yes. a, a handful of years ago for greater glory. I know it started Andy Garcia. It, he played the general. It also had Oscar Isaac. You had an opportunity at some point I saw you, you've gotten to, to meet Andy Garcia. Did you, did you you coach him a little bit on, on the general as you probably knew more about him than he did? I think he knew a, a great deal of the general too. He did his homework. We, we met for a couple hours. He's an amazing guy. Very fun to meet. Very, very easygoing. Very humble. And he loved the tequila. We, we sent him a case and he probably is over. He's waiting for that Añejo. He's a big fan. He's a big fan. He's probably waiting for the Añejo. We had a great time with, with him. And one of the partners just this is another coincidence, and, and we can spend literally a lot of hours talking about how many coincidences we have come across. One of the other partners, another lawyer from Mexico City, his grandmother, another uh, nephew of her, was one of the producers of that movie. Wow. So Just continues to tie in for people that are part of the brand, that have a connection to the general, which is pretty special. Right. And just a, a week ago, in another uh, completely different event... I, am, uh, I sit in the board of directors of, uh, of a small bank, and the CEO is also a partner of, uh, of Tequila General Gorostieta and the big investment fund from New York. They came, they acquired uh, part of the, of the, of the bank, and uh, one of the people who came with them is married to one, uh, the, the great-granddaughter of uh, the general's sister, and his brother-in-law 
has in his possession the cross that this picture of General Gorostieta we have. This is a, a big cross that, that he was carrying the day he was killed. And they've got it. They got it. And I, can, I could tell you so many others that it would literally tell you and the, the God's hand and the general hand is here, absolutely. Yeah, it, it seems like this is more than tequila. It is much more than that. Yeah, th this is more than tequila. I, I want to encourage people to to check out this brand, to spend some time searching, looking up the general and, and learning about his past if you want to see that movie. Luis, thank you. Thank you for, for stopping by. Thank you for sharing your passion. I can see there's a, a real passion here for this. Before I let you go, I want to make sure we get social media that people can go online. I know you can purchase this tequila through your website. This is tequilagg.us for the website. Tell me that you've got a YouTube channel. What, what are all the social media? is that that people need to know about we have instagram which is literally tequila general gorostieta it's a very long name but it should come easy when you look for it we also have facebook under the same name we have our youtube channel and uh, you can purchase it online we sell we, we uh, distribute it from california and we also are selling it in texas in a number of very good liquor stores I'm going to Dallas every other month just to promote. And you're starting to open up other markets. I know we've we've talked offline. There's there's other states that, that you guys are starting to get into. So we'll start to see these bottles in more places. But for now, you can go to tequilagg.us and there are spots right. there where you can purchase it. Exactly. We are going after the Chicago market. We're going to the New York market and the Florida market. But the way, the way in which we're doing things is very, very organically. We're getting our own licenses okay, so that we, we cut certain unnecessary margin sharing. <laughs> and I really do look forward to having you. We're meeting in the Hacienda to have a, a wonderful weekend. Please make room in your agenda because that's going to be amazing. You've got something going on, don't you? Yes. We're going to have the Blanco from coming out of 1414. So you can miss it. I may have to have a special conversation with my wife. We'll, we'll have to see what we can do to, to, to get me out there. From the pictures I've seen online, it, it does look beautiful. I, I do look forward to seeing it and can't wait to get out there. Well, Luis, I just want to say thank you. This is a story, like I said, that is worth sharing. So thank you for continuing to tell it through Tequila General Gorostieta. I just want to say salute and thank you, my friend, for being on the show. Thanks, Doc. Take care, man. Bye-bye. That was Luis Torres and Tequila General Gorostieta. Be sure to check out tequilagg.us to learn more about the brand and to purchase their tequila. A big thanks to our sponsor, SipTequila.com. If you enjoy the show, it would mean a lot to me if you would rate and review it. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.